but for those of you guys that don't know us, uh, my name is Sam. Uh, this is my better half, Lindsay. Uh, and uh, we were in Athens for a little bit, but now we're over at North River. Uh, yeah, just kind of a very new thing, uh, but we're obviously happy to be there. Um, I'm encouraged to see that there's so many people uh, wanting to come to this class about prayer. You know, because prayer is such a huge part uh, of our lives as disciples, right? You know, it's like crucial to, um, you know, our lives as Christians. You know, let me be the first to say, okay, like when it comes to like my prayer life, like I'm like a better reader. Like I'm really good about reading my Bible. You know, like that's what I'm like really good at. Like when it comes to the prayer part, I got some growing to do in that area. I just want to be honest with you. I don't want you guys to think like I'm this like awesome, like amazing, godly example of this guy who just sits on his knees like 24 hours a day and just prays. That's not me, okay? I'm just like going to be straight up honest, okay? I'm really trying to grow in this area of my life uh, as a disciple. And it's been cool because, you know, Lindsay and I, we're kind of like in uncharted waters right now. You know, because we're not necessarily like leading a campus ministry anymore. We're helping out over North River, which is kind of like this weird spot. We're not exactly sure what's going to happen. You know, like what's going to happen with our life, and like where we're going to go next, or where we're going to leave. But it's been good because we're in this like uncertain spot in our lives, which has forced us to pray a lot more. You know, like it's always good like when you're kind of in this spot, and you're not really sure. You know, you're not exactly you know, going to know what's going to happen, but that's good because it really forces us to depend on God and then prayer a lot more, right? And it's been good, too, because, you know, what's been really cool is, like, because of that, I've gotten to pray a lot more with my wife. When you guys get married someday, if you want to build a strong, godly marriage, pray with your spouse. Like, that is something that will bind you guys so close together, yeah. is praying with one another. Yeah. You know, but you guys can even do that together in your friendships, right? Yeah. Like, there's nothing that bonds us, like, when we pray together and we dream together, we are vulnerable together through our prayers, right? Yeah. You know, it's, like, so awesome. It's, like, last okay. no, Yeah, no. for those of you that just came in here, we broke just a whole plot of gossip right there. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I'm going to get started with a story. Sorry, I'm not going to step on you over here. So, you know, I've been actually reading this book on prayer. It's called The Circle Maker. If you guys want to read a super convicting book on prayer, like something that will just, like, knock your shorts off. Like, I've been reading it, and I'm just like, I'm not a Christian. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm, like, just not a disciple. Like, basically, like, seriously. You know, but, like, it's been a really encouraging book for Lindsay and I. We've been reading it together uh, on prayer. Uh, but I'm going to start with this story. It says, young children dance in the downpour like it was the first rainfall they'd ever seen. And it was. Parents threw back their heads, opened their mouths, and caught raindrops like they were libations. And they were. When it hasn't rained in more than a year, raindrops are like diamonds falling from the sky. It would be forever remembered as the day. The day thunderclaps applauded the Almighty. The day puddle uh, jumping became an act of praise. The day the legend of the circle maker was born. It was the first century BC and a devastating drought threatened to destroy a generation. The generation before Jesus. The last one of the Jewish prophets had died off nearly four centuries before. Miracles were a, such a distant memory, uh, sorry, a distant memory that they seemed like a false memory. And God was nowhere to be heard. 
But there was one man, an eccentric sage, who lived outside the walls of Jerusalem, who dared to pray anyway. His name was Honi, and even if the people could no longer hear God, he believed that God could still hear them. When rain is plentiful, it's an afterthought. During a drought, it's the only thought. And Honi was their only hope. Famous for his ability to pray for rain, it was on this day, the day that Honi would earn his moniker. With a six-foot staff in his hand, Honi began to turn like a math compass. His circular movements was rhythmical and methodical. 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, 360 degrees. He never looked up as the crowd looked on. After what seemed like hours but had only been seconds, Honey stood inside the circle he had drawn. Then he dropped to his knees and raised his hands to heaven. With the authority of the prophet Elijah, he called down fire from heaven. Honey called down rain. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. The words sent, such, sent a shudder down the spines of all who were within the earshot that day. It wasn't just the volume of his voice, it was the authority of his tone. Not a hint of doubt. This prayer didn't originate in the vocal cords. Like water from an uh, artisan, well, the words flowed from the depth of his soul. His prayer was so resolute, yet humble. Confident, yet meek. Expectant, yet unassuming. Then it happened. As he prayed, um, as his prayer ascended to the heavens, raindrops descended to the earth. An audible gas swept across thousands of congregants who had encircled Honey. Every head turned heavenward as the first raindrops parachuted from the sky, but Honey's head remained bowed. The people rejoiced over each drop, but Honey wasn't satisfied with the sprinkle. Still kneeling within the circle, Honey lifted his voice over the sounds of celebration. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. The sprinkle turned into such a torrential downpour that eyewitness said no raindrop was smaller than an egg. It rained so heavily that, and so steadily that the people fled to the temple mount to escape the flash floods. Honey stayed and prayed inside uh, his protracted circle. One more... Sorry, one more, he refined his bold request. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of your favor, blessing and graciousness. Then like, well-proportioned sun, then like a well-proportioned sun shower on a hot and humid August afternoon, it began to rain calmly, peacefully. Each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace. And they didn't just soak the skin, they soaked the spirit with faith. It had been difficult to believe the day before the day. The day after the day, it was impossible not to believe. Eventually, the dirt turned into mud and back into dirt again. After quenching their thirst, the crowd dispersed, and the rainmaker returned to his humble hovel on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Like, it says, life returned to normal, but the legend of the circle maker had been born. Honey was celebrated as a hometown, hometown hero by the people whose lives he had saved. But some within the Sanhedrin called the circle maker into question. A faction believed that drawing a circle and demanding rain dishonored God. Maybe it was those same members of the Sanhedrin who would criticize Jesus for healing a man's shriveled hand 
on the Sabbath day generation later. They had threatened Honey with excommunication, but because of the miracle, uh, it could not be uh, reputed. Honey was ultimately honored for his act of prayerful bravado. The prayer that saved a generation was deemed one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel. The circle he drew in the sand became a sacred symbol, and the legend of Honey, the circle maker, stands forever as a testament to the power of a single prayer to change the course of history. You know, I love that story. I think that's such an inspiring story about a guy, you know, who just loved to pray and was not going to move from his circle until God answered his prayer. You know, and a guy who prayed with faith. You know, what I love about that story is, you know, when it comes to our lives, guys, God is still looking for circle makers. You know what I'm saying? Because why? Bold prayers, okay, honor God, and God honors bold prayers. You know, I truly believe that with all of my heart, that God honors our bold prayers. You know, but I want to ask you guys a question right now is, how's your prayer life? Like, just think about that for a second. How's your prayer life? Or better yet, let's say I could ask God, okay, how much you speak to him and what you guys talk about. Like, what would he say? You know, what he say, oh, man, like so-and-so, like, man, we're super tight. We talk every day, and I love it. Like, he always depends on me. We're always talking. He comes to me about everything. We're so close. Or what he say, I haven't seen so-and-so around that often. You know, she only comes to me a few times a week. You know, we're kind of more of like acquaintances than we are like super close. Or would he say, like, man, we talk a lot, but, you know, when we talk, all they do is talk about themselves. They don't thank me for anything. All they talk about is their problems and what they need. And I need this and I need that. And where are you? What what would God say about your prayer life? What would he say about your relationship with him? Now, here's the thing, okay? When I ask that question... You know, I've, like, been where you guys have, like, been. Like, whenever you hear a question like that, usually, like, the first thing that goes to my head is I'm like, man, I suck. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you're, like, sitting there, you're like, man, like, I'm a terrible disciple. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, like, that's not what I want this lesson to be, okay? Like, I don't want you to be thinking throughout this whole lesson, like, I suck. Like, I'm a terrible disciple. I need to grow. I need to repent. You know, like, that's not what this time is, Okay. Like, that can be like, okay, like, you and that discipling time with your discipling partner and say, like, let's go time. All right, that's not what this time is. What I want it to be is I want this to be a time that really inspires you guys and really builds your faith. You know, and I also want it to be a time that I think we just see our need for God in our life more. Mm -hmm. You know, and we see our need for our dependence on him, right? Because that's what prayer is, right? Prayer is putting yourself in a humble position, saying that I can't do this on my own. I need you, God. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's a humility thing is what it really is. Um, but, and this is kind of an open-ended question I want to ask you guys. This is not a rhetorical question. If I were to ask you guys about prayer, like, how do you guys view prayer? What would you guys say? If you were to describe prayer and how you view it, outside of what I just said, what, what would you say? You guys tell me. How, how do you view prayer? Or just how people can view prayer, whether good or bad. Both. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah, it should happen often, but more secretly. Okay. Can view it like as a ritual? Absolutely. How else can people view prayer? People can view prayer as like they only pray like when they're going through a trial. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Any other thoughts? I think I can view prayer as like that way of kind of presenting my request to God all the time, but like I'm trying to do it as more of a conversation with God in mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think sometimes um, for us disciples, we can kind of, I guess, forget how great it is praying. So we totally. can forget we're praying to like not a God, but like the God. And He's actually like a spiritual, crazy, like amazing person. We can kind of talk to Him like as a best friend. And I know sometimes I can't, like, oh, dude, like, you know, and we can get super casual and forget that like He's really great and we're actually talking to God. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Any other thoughts on how we can be prayer? Uh, sometimes prayer is, is what I put in it, and God's the vending machine, and I just kind of get out and go, but I yeah. Them, I yeah, absolutely. Any other thoughts on how we can view prayer? Yeah, I think what it is is, you know, how I view prayer is a gift. Yeah. Like, that is one of the most precious, amazing gifts that God has given me, that I literally get to go speak to the creator of the universe whenever I want. Yeah. That I get to go to my father in prayer, who's the perfect father, Whenever I want, I want and how often I want. Yeah. And literally, I can stop at any point during my day and go to my God pray. and go to my Father and pray that I get to speak with Him, that I get to be with Him. Like, that is amazing. Yeah. Like, the fact that even all the things that I've done in my life to reject God, mm. you know, and all the sin that I've committed to hurt Him, and the fact that He still wants to meet me in prayer every single day, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, that's a miracle. Like, the fact that we even get to pray to God is a miracle, yeah. right? Because it took the blood of Jesus, yeah. right? The only reason that you get to approach God and approach his throne every single day, how often you want and whenever you want, is because of Jesus mm-hmm. and because of the blood on the cross, right? It's this incredible gift, guys, that we got to quit wasting and start using more. You know what I'm saying? Because I know for me in my life, I don't nearly pray as much as I should. You know, I mean, literally, I get to talk to God, my Father, as often and whenever I want, and I don't nearly do it enough, you know. Um, and Lindsay wanted to share just a few thoughts on her, you know, views on prayer. Yeah, it's cool because I feel like with my walk with God, my view of prayer, like, continues to change, but in a good way. <laughs> I think over time, like, as I've been a disciple, it can become like a ritual or it can become a thing that I know I need to do or that I need or, you know, it, it can just become like a checklist, which I hate that, but it, it just becomes like a part of this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I need to do, but it look like I can totally lose my heart in it. And it's cool because I just even like a couple weeks ago, I was asking an older woman in the church, like what I could pray for, for her. And she was like, if you can pray for me to just grow deeper in my prayer. And I, this just shows my pride. When I first heard that, I was like, oh, okay. Like it was just, I was literally like, I didn't say it this, but in my mind I was thinking like, okay, she needs to grow in her prayer. Like, yeah, I can definitely pray for that. But then I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. I need to grow in my prayer. And I feel like it's cool because even in the last couple weeks in this transition that we're in, like God is like teaching us to go to him more and pray to him more. Like there just have been situations where we're like, 
we literally don't have a choice but to pray. Like, we are of zero control. We have to pray to God. And it's been really, really cool. So it's cool because I feel like God, it's just something that we get to, like, keep growing in our walks with God, is growing in our prayer. And though something that I'm still learning, like, this, the past couple weeks I've been studying out specific scriptures about prayer. Because I think... I can have my own definition of what prayer is, but I'm like, wait a minute, I got have God's definition of what prayer is, and I have to view it the way God views it. So I just wanted to share a couple of scriptures. I'm not going to read all of them through. I'll say what they are if you want to write them down, and I'm just going to kind of share a couple little like parts of the scripture, but not the whole thing. So one is Proverbs 15, verse 8. It says, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. In Matthew 5, verse 44, it says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And even things like that, like, I'm just like, man, am I, and I've been asking myself this because I'm like, I do not do this enough, but praying for those who persecute you, you know, or praying for people that have hurt you. And not out of like, oh yeah, God, you need to help them. (laughs) But out of like, really like, loving them and praying that like praying for them that God will work in whatever ways he needs to work but that is so humbling to me um Matthew 6 verse 5 through 15 is amazing because it's Jesus sharing he's teaching his disciples like he's teaching okay when you pray this is how you should pray um and a couple little verses from it it says when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. Yeah. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And it later on says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. And I think sometimes when I read that, I was like, oh man, how many times do I sit there praying and I'm just literally kind of just like praying in circles? And not like what Sam's talking about, but like nonsensical like circles. I'm just kind of praying the same thing over again, and I don't have any intention or purpose or like thoughtfulness to it. I'm like, dang, I'm literally being like a pagan Uh and a hypocrite when I do that. And then Jesus goes on to say, like, this is how you should pray. And he talks, like, and when he explains it, he explains it about, like, praising God, you know, when you start praying for just who God is. And continually asking God to forgive you for your sins, you know, being like, I constantly need forgiveness. And I need to continue to forgive the people who are going to hurt me or who have hurt me. Uh Um, And he keeps going on. I just, like, love, I love Matthew 6 and the way Jesus describes prayer. Um, And then just a couple more. Matthew 11, verse 22 through 26. He starts out saying, have faith in God. And he ends it by saying, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and Uh it will be yours. Which I love that. Like, do I pray with expectation of believing I'm going to receive it, uh-huh. but still be being so submitted and surrendered to God of like, but if he says no, then he knows best. Like my thoughts are not God's thoughts and my ways are not God's ways. It's like a very interesting balance that I'm praying through that I have not figured out. Um, so yeah, so those are just, and then Romans 8, 26 through 30. I love it. And this is, I feel like where my prayers kind of have been lately. It talks about how like the spirit intercedes like with words for us when we don't know what to say. And kind of right now, there've been some times where I'm like, God, I don't even know what to pray for right now. Or like where you want samurai, what you want us to do, like, but your spirit does. Uh And so that's kind of been a lot of my prayers lately. But so that's just been something like with when I've been working on with viewing prayer is just viewing it and seeing it 
the way that like God has created it to be. Yeah, I love that, you know, scripture that Lindsay shared about, you know, praying as if you've already received it, you know, because that's so cool because, you know, even like Lindsay and I, like we have no idea where God's going to take us. Like we're getting ready to go interview in Cincinnati in two weeks. Like we have like other places that we're looking to go interview to do campus ministry possibly. But like I'm already thanking God in my prayers. Like God, I know you're going to take care of me. I know that's going to happen. Like I have been able to look back at my life you know, as a disciple for the past 15 years, and never once has God not given me a reason to not trust him. Wow. He has always come through. Yeah. And so when I'm praying, I'm like, God, I know you're going to make this happen. Yeah. I know you're going to take care of me and my wife. Yeah. You know, I'm already thanking him in prayer before stuff's even happened. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and it's not just like praying through, but it's praising through, you know, already praising God for what's already going to happen in your life just because of the promises that he makes in his Bible. You know, and the scriptures, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. No. You know, but I think one thing that's super important when it comes to prayer is you have to believe in this simple but yet life changing truth, okay? That God is for you. Yep. And that when He says He really does work for the good of those who love Him, He means it. Yep. You have to believe that. Yep. Because if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that God's for you yeah. and that you don't believe that God really does work for the good of those who love him, mm-hmm. then you will always have an arms out distance relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And you're certainly not going to go to him often in prayer. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to believe that because here's the thing, guys. There's nothing more that God loves. OK, than keeping his promises, answering prayers, performing miracles and fulfilling dreams in your life. Yeah. He loves that. Yeah. He lives for that, you know, but the question is, do you really believe that? Yeah. You have to believe that because, again, if I don't feel like God's for me, that he wants to see great things happen in my life, that he wants to, you know, prosper me, you know, he has plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plans to give me a hope in the future, then my prayer life is not going to be very great. Yeah. It's just not. You know what I'm saying? And that just goes all back to, and we could, you know, almost do a whole other lesson on how you view God. Yeah. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Because if you have a jaded view of who God is, then again, you're not going to have a really close relationship with him and your prayer life's going to not be that great. You know, you want a great scripture on how God views you? Look at Psalm 103. That is like my go-to whenever I feel like I'm a disappointment to God, that, you know, I'm a letdown, I'm a failure as a disciple, as a Christian. Psalm 103. And it just reminds me that God is for me. He loves me. Mm-hmm. You know, as a father loves his children, so I will love you. You know, like just so much good stuff there. You know, but, you know, I kind of have like three, like that was like a long intro. And I promise these next three points, you know, are going to be like quick. But, you know, one of the things that I really want to harp on and talk about today is learning how to pray bold prayers. Yeah. You know, like the bold audacious prayers that only by God's divine intervention will it happen in your life. There's nothing you can do to control it. There's nothing you can do to manipulate it. Only God can make this happen. Okay? And I want to start, you know, by looking at the story of Jericho. You guys know that story of Jericho? So this is when the Israelites, okay, they have exited Egypt. Okay, Moses has led them out of Egypt, all right, and they're going into the promised land which God had promised him, right? Like, he's like, all right, I'm going to give you this land, a land flowing of milk and honey. I'm going to give this to you, you know? And so they got a couple, you know, things they have to go through to get to the promised land, though, right? 
And one of those things is going through Jericho. So I'm just going to read this quick excerpt real quick from the book. It says, The first glimpse of Jericho was both awe-inspiring and frightening. While wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, the Israelites had never seen anything approximating the skyline of Jericho. The closer they got, the smaller they felt. They felt understood. Um, they finally understood why the generation before them felt like grasshoppers and failed to enter the promised land because of fear. A six-foot-wide lower wall and a 50-foot-high upper wall encircled the ancient metropolis. The mud brick walls were so thick and tall that 12-acre city appeared to be impenetrable fortress. It seemed like God had promised something impossible. And his battle plan seemed nonsensical. Your entire army is to march around the city once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the city seven times. Every soldier in the army had to have wondered why. Why not use a battering ram? Why not scale the walls? Why not cut off the water supply or shoot flaming arrows over the walls? Instead, God told the Israelite army to silently circle the city. And he promised after they circled 13 times over seven days, the wall would fall. The first time around, the soldiers must have felt a little foolish. But with each circle, their stride grew stronger and longer. With each circle, a holy confidence was building pressure inside their souls. By the seventh day, their faith was ready to pop. They arose before the dawn and started circling at six o'clock in the morning. At three miles per hour, each mile and a half uh, march around the city took half an hour. By nine o'clock, they began their final lap. In keeping with God's command, they had said a word in six days. Uh, sorry, they had said a word in six days. They just silently circled the promise. Then the priests sounded their horns, and, simultane- and a simultaneous shout followed. 600,000 Israelites raised in a holy roar that registered on the Richter scale, and the walls came tumbling down. You know, like, I think that's, like, such a cool story in the Bible, you know, because, like, man, like, if I was, like, in the Israelite shoes, like, God's telling me to circle Jericho, like, six times, you know, like, and then on the seventh day to circle it, like, seven more times. Like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> that's how this is going to happen. Like, that's how we're going to enter the promised land, you know? But I love that because, you know, after seven days of circling Jericho, God delivered on a 400-year-old promise, you know, which I think is so cool because what he did is God proved once again that his promises don't have expiration dates, you know? And Jericho is a testament to this simple truth that if you keep circling the promise, God will ultimately deliver on it. He always delivers on his promises. You know, I love that about God. You know, but here's my question for you guys. What's your Jericho? What is your impossible prayer right now? What's the thing that in your mind and in your eyes, you cannot see it possibly happening? That there's nothing you can do, but only by God's divine intervention will this happen. Maybe it's for your parents to become disciples. Maybe it's for a brother or sister to become a disciple. Maybe there's this sin in your life that you're like, man, I cannot overcome this. What's your Jericho? What's your impossible prayer? You know, because again, what I love is God honors bold prayers, you know, because bold prayers honor God. And I think the thing is, guys, is we need to be praying more of these bold prayers, 
You know, we need to be going after these big, audacious, daring prayers. You know, because here's the thing about bold prayers that I love so much. You know, when we pray things that in no way, shape, or form that we could physically make happen, right. and it happens, guess who gets all the glory? God. Yep. Right? Like, I love those things that you pray, and again, by only God's divine intervention, you're like, wow, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> like, thank you, God. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of funny because Lindsay and I were in a situation. So we were leaving Athens, and we had to get out of our house. Like, and we had to find somebody to sublease it, but, like, nobody was doing it. And it was, like, completely out of our control. You know, this isn't, like, one of those big, audacious prayers, but it was kind of big for us at the time because if we didn't lease the house, we were going to be bleeding money, like, a lot of money. Um, and we just kept praying about it, praying about it, praying about it. And then, like, what is, like, the day before we had to pay that rent, which we had, like, hardly any money, like, somebody leased the place. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was just encouraging. It was, like, the weekend we moved. The weekend we moved. You know, but, like, that was only I could get God that glory. Like, you know what I'm saying? I had nothing to do with that. And it was just so cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was thinking, do you want to share your story real quick? Uh-huh. Yeah? Okay, why don't you share this? <laughs> Lizzie has a cool story. Well, I'll let her so share about her one of her stories. It's not this crazy, bold prayer. It was just a desire that I had growing up. I became a disciple when I was 15 years old. And my two of my best friends, well, three of my best friends growing up in, like, our teen ministry, are we just had a desire that and we would pray that the first guy we dated would be the man that we married and it was just on our hearts like we had seen friends like date and break up and date and break up and it was just like I just like that just looks too heartbreaking like I can't do that <laughs> I don't think my heart can handle it so that was like our prayer like growing up together and it is so cool because literally before Sam, there were two guys that I almost dated. Like, they, like, per, like we pursued a relationship, talked about dating, almost happened, but it didn't. And I remember in both situations, I still felt heartbroken. Like, I, it was still incredibly, incredibly hard. And I felt like it was still hard to, for God to say no in those times. But then Sam was literally the first guy I dated. And clearly we ended up getting married. But our, our first date, though, I was not, he was awesome. But I had just, like, ended with this other guy, and my heart was still kind of mending. I was like, I can't, like, my heart hurts too much. Like, I feel like I cannot give it to another guy right now. And this was when he took me on our first date. But I remember at the end of that date, I prayed. It was so cool because I felt like Sam was just, like, super real and down to earth. Like, he... When he talked about God, God was just a part of his life. Like, he wasn't trying to force the conversation or, like, like force. It was just, God was just a part of it. And I was like, man, that's super cool. But he also was, like, really chill, funny, goofy, like, didn't care, was super confident. And I, at the end of that date, it was a nine-and-a-half-hour date. So everyone was like, do you like him? Do you like him? Do you like him? I was like, no, I just met the guy. But at that There's night, a reason that it was a nine hour. I'll explain in a second. <laughs> but, I know, I know, I know. but that night, I prayed. I was like, God, I pray my husband is like that someday. And so it was just cool because I'm like, God answered two prayers with Sam. Just one that he was like, okay, that's going to be him. But also just that, like, 
he guard, I really feel like he guarded my heart. Like God guarded my heart and protected it by not letting me date, like not letting it work out for me to date those other two guys. Because then with Sam, it was just like, it was so cool. And he led me in such an awesome way. So that was just kind of like a cool prayer that where I'm like, that was just totally God. Like I had no control other than being faithful and just not careful. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. The reason it was a nine hour date. Okay. I was like 25 at the time. So I was like out of school. I said, I'm looking for a wife. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not looking just to date and like, kind of like what I'm looking for my wife. And so I was in Georgia. She was in school uh, in Virginia. And so I was just getting nervous. I'm like, I'm not going to like take her out on like a four hour date. And like, I want to get to know this girl. So, and it works. So, anyways, yeah. Um, so, but that's the thing is, is you know, guys, when it comes to your life, what's your Jericho? What's your impossible prayer? Um, you know, the other thing I want to talk about is not just praying bold prayers, but it's for us to learn how to pray specific prayers. All right. Um, you know, what's cool is more than a thousand years after the Jericho miracle, you know, God delivered on another miracle in the exact same place. If you got your Bibles, look over in Luke chapter 18. This is a really cool story. Luke 18, we're going to look in verse 35. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this story before. It's pretty popular. All right, verse 35 of Luke 18. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho... A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? You know, like, I think this story is so cool because, like, you know, you clearly got this guy and he's coming up to Jesus, right? And he's begging for him to have mercy on him. And what does Jesus say? He says, what do you want me to do for you? Like, seriously? Like, the guy's blind. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why would Jesus ask that question? Like, it's so clear this guy's blind Right, we know what the need is, you know, but yet Jesus still asks him, What do you want me to do for you? And I love that because what Jesus does is he forces him to define exactly what he wanted from him. You know what I'm saying? He forces him to verbalize the desire. He makes him spell it out because you know it wasn't because Jesus didn't know, you know, what they wanted or what he wanted. He wanted to make sure they knew or he knew what he wanted. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, but I want to ask you guys, like, let's say Jesus, okay, was to ask you the same question. Like, if he came in here right now, okay, and asked each and every one of us, what is it you want me to do for you? What would you say? Like, what would that thing be in your life? What do you want me to do for you? Um, you know, and I, and I love that scripture, too, because... You know, I think it makes such a big difference in my life is not when I just pray, but learning how to pray very specifically about things in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, I think that's what God wants. You know, he wants us to spell it out. He wants to hear us, you know, express the desire in our heart and to really verbalize it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because why? It's a relationship. 
You know, that's what prayer is. It's, it's a dialogue with God. How God speaks to me is through his word, but how I get to speak to God is through prayer. And so he wants us to be very specific. He wants us to verbalize, you know, those <coughs> desires, you know, when it comes to, you know, our lives. Mm-hmm. Now, Lindsay wanted to share uh, something real quick. Yeah, it was cool. We just went to a marriage retreat a couple weekends ago, and it was sweet because one of the lessons they were talking about how, like, God, like, the different characteristics of men and women, like, God encompasses both of those things. Mm-hmm. And just how we need to see those things in each other and appreciate them and learn from each other. And one of the things he was talking, so he was the a guy was doing a lesson about though how God how God is like women. And one of the things he talked about is so you know how it describes the woman as the helper in Genesis. But that word, that word is Ezer, and the only other time that word is used is to describe God. Like that Ezer word is not used any other time other than to describe a woman and her role in relationship with her husband, and then God and his relationship with us. And it means, like, your life support, your life saver, like, your helper, like, your, like, you need that person to live. Mm -hmm. I was like, that is so, for me, I was like, dang, that is so cool to think about that, of one, of, like, having that dependency on God. But when he was describing, though, God is, like, in, like, characteristics of women, I, people are totally different, but I can super relate to this, of, like, I really appreciate when Sam expresses, like, invert like tells me like how beautiful I am like not just like oh yeah you look good today but like when he really says like man you look beautiful or you know like he he is expressive of that or when he expresses like man I'm so grateful for this or like thank you so much for doing that like when he expresses those things or when he expresses like man like I need you to help me with this like there's something in I think women I think in guys too but there's something in women that you're like it makes you feel needed and wanted and like you're ready to do it you're like yeah i like i'm your partner we got this like let's do this or like thank you for expressing that and just like god is the same like he wants to hear us express like god i need you like god you are awesome like i love you i cannot do life without you like he the way that like we love to hear that from our friends or boyfriends or you know whoever our families like god is like that he's just like us in that same way like he loves to hear us express those things so that was just something i thought was really cool yeah you know and i just think when it comes to like you know god wanting us to pray specifically you know the thing that i think about prayer is i think you know and i really believe that god has determined that certain expressions of his power will only be exercised in our response to prayer and in other words basically saying you know god won't do it unless you pray for it like, I really believe that, you know, because, you know, there's that scripture in the Bible that says we have not because what yeah. we ask not, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I think one of the biggest tragedies in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys, like God wants us to verbalize. He wants to hear those desires in our hearts, whether it's man, God, please help my sister to become a disciple mm-hmm. this year. You know, like my sister, you know, even my own life, she was a disciple. She fell away about eight years ago. I don't pray for her the way that I should. I just don't. I don't verbalize it the way that I need to be doing to God, you know. I feel very convicted by it. But I really believe that 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 is such a tragedy, you know, with so many things in life because we don't ask for it. We don't verbalize it to God. We're not specific 
about our prayers. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, you know, I want to talk about is, you know, we've talked about praying bold prayers. We've talked about praying specific prayers. The last thing I want to talk about is not just praying for things, but praying through things. Let's look at our Bibles in Luke chapter 18. We're actually there. Verse 1 through 8. This is a really cool story. Yeah, that's perfect. Luke 18. Verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not, will not God bring about justice for all his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Like, I love that scripture. I think that's so cool because how many of us in this room have been guilty of praying for something but then giving up on it? You know what I'm saying? Like, specifically for people. You know, how many of us have been guilty for that? I've totally been guilty of that. Guys, we got to learn not just to pray for things but pray through them Mm -hmm. to continuation, you know, till till it ends. Um, And Lindsay wanted to share something right here. Well, I just... It's so cool because I feel like as, like, you, we read more and more about prayer, like, faith and prayer are just kind of intertwined. Like, they just go hand in hand. Like, it's kind of impossible to have one without the other. And it is insane because I especially can, in the last few weeks, find myself, like, I have, like, some days where I feel like where, and this is all about my feelings, which is a whole other thing, but, like, where I can feel great and be, like, yep, like, I believe this is God, like, this is who God is, and I'm going to pray these bold prayers, and then I have days where I am just fearful, and I'm afraid to pray certain prayers, and sometimes it's just because it's fear of the unknown, or sometimes it's, like, fear of not wanting to, like, hope for something and have an expectation, and then it not happen. But that's, again, where I had to go back and be like, okay, but my thoughts are not God's thoughts and my ways are not God's ways. And so I've just kind of been praying, like, some of my prayers, especially when I'm feeling fearful, i just kind of been praying, like, God, help my heart and my desires and my dreams to be your heart and your desires and your dreams. You know, and and then just trusting that he's going to, like, help my heart to get to that place if it's not there. Or to get to, like, to where, to see things the way he sees them and to feel about things the way he feels about them. Um, so I just think it's really cool. Like, it's not, again, I was like, I think it's a constant battle. Like, it's not like, yep, I believe in God and I have faith and here we go. Like, it's, there's a battle, like, every single day to be like, here's what's true and here's who God is. And I got to wrestle with this in my heart and believe it no matter what, like, whether I feel it or not. And not, not, for me, not letting fear stop me from praying, bold prayers or just crazy things. Yeah, I think that's so intense. You know, what Jesus says at the end, it says, the Son of Man will come, and will he find faith on earth? 
You know, like that's so intense because, you know, there's a big difference between just praying and praying with faith. Yep. You know, and actually believing that this will happen. You know, that God can actually make this happen or see this to fruition in your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, because God is specifically, you know, when it comes to, to people in our life that we need to be praying for. Guys, there's so many people that need us to be praying for them. Like, you can think of somebody right now that you know you need to be praying for that you're not. Like, I could totally think of that person in my life right now. Guys, we got to be praying for those people and not giving up praying for them. Because the reality is, the reason you're here in this room right now is because somebody prayed for you. We're all here in this room because people have prayed for us. I know for a fact that I am here because of all the prayers that have been prayed about specifically me and in my life is why I'm here. You know, now Ryan, what's your last name, Ryan? Jones. Jones. Ryan Jones is kind of share about his life a little bit and some of, you know, his prayers and a prayer specifically he did not give up on. So, um, like I said, my name's Ryan. And uh, I go to North River, and I help out with the campus ministry at Georgia State University. Okay, come on. Um, I got baptized at the end of October in 2015. And, well, this is a story about kind of how, it's funny that he said all that he said is because I was trying to facilitate a prayer, a, well, something that got eventually answered, but it didn't start off with me praying for it. It started off with me trying to like, I don't know, just try to do it myself and try to facilitate and try to be like that coordinator and not letting God kind of do his thing. Um, so if you don't know my sister, uh, she's over there. Her name is Megan. And, uh, she's incredible. Um, around the time I got baptized, she was in high school. Uh, so my plan was, as soon as, she's about to, as soon as she graduates, I'm going to convince her to go to Georgia State so she can be a part of the ministry, so she can study the Bible. And I was like, had all these plans for her, right? And she says, oh, I'm not going to Georgia State. I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. Um, so she decided instead to go to a private Christian school in Tennessee. And I knew about this Christian school because I had a reputation at, my, at the church I grew up in. And um, I just knew there was a lot of lukewarm Christianity there. Like, I, I knew it for a fact. Because uh, I knew people that went there that kind of, if you, if you know what Christian schools are like, um, they're kind of like every other school sometimes. Um, so I'll just hear her tell stories about how she, got, she would get introduced to these things, like, at parties, like, acid and things like that. Just things that blew my mind. I didn't even know that it was possible for a Christian, a Christian school to, you know, be a part of stuff like that. But... So I guess my prayer at the time was, God, I pray that she doesn't get tainted, mm-hmm. like that her view of Christianity doesn't get warped mm-hmm. from going to the school because it was, it was easy to do so. Yeah. Um, so again, I was still trying to work my magic and, and be the facilitator. So um, let's see, that first semester goes by. Okay, so spring, fast forward to spring semester. Um, I realized that her school was 20 minutes away from this place right here. So I was like, dude, I'm going to totally invite her to the retreat. You know, she actually came. And I, was really, I was actually really shocked. I didn't even pray about it. I was just like, I hope she comes. Uh, we'll see. But she came, um, and for the first time, she really saw, saw God. Um, she saw it because of all the love and all the encouragement she received from coming here. Um, and then the retreat was over. It came and went. It was great. But then she went back to school. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to happen. And yeah, I still wasn't really praying for it that much as I should have been. Um, but I, and, I, and again, I was still trying to facilitate, so I was like, okay, my next plan is, when she comes home from the summer, I'm going to hook her up with this, this sister, this sister, she's going to study this, study that. It's going to be perfect. Like, it's going to be great. Like, by the end of the summer, she'll be, a, she'll be a, a disciple. And then I went off to France for a month and didn't think about it at all. And I get back, and I'm like, all right, she, she's going to be a study of the Bible by now. She's going to be at this point. She didn't study at all. 
I'm like, dang, maybe I need to start actually praying. Mm-hmm. And actually start being specific and being bold in my prayer. Because I was like, dude, God, clearly I'm not capable. Right? Like, clearly I don't have to do it myself. So God, I really need you. I need you to intervene. Because um, I was trying to get her to transfer to Georgia State, but I knew because her major was discipleship at this other school. I'm like, those credits don't transfer at all. <laughs> like, you know? So I was just like, dude, this is not, there's no way this is going to happen. But I prayed and I prayed. And I got other people to pray with me. Um, and I remember specifically we were at the Bible Talk Leaders Retreat. Um, this was at, right after ICMC. And we had a dreaming session uh, on the last day. And we were going around like, asking people like, what their dreams for like, the next year, next semester was. I was like, God, I really want you to like, baptize. some. Like, I want some of our siblings to get baptized. And people were like, yeah, let's pray for that. Boom. Um, so later that night, no joke, one of the brothers that I was next to when I, when I said the dream out loud, his sister got baptized that very night. And I was just blown away. I was like, wow, God, like, that's awesome. So then the next week, mind you, the next week school was starting. My sister was going to go back to Tennessee, and it was going to be back to square one, right? Um, but then she uh, sends me a message. Like, literally, the weekend before school starts, she, she showed me her schedule. I'm like, why, are you sh- why do I count here? Like, this is all in Tennessee. Like, what does that got to do with me? Then I realized that it was for Georgia State and that she had literally, like, transferred, got accepted, and now it's about to start going there. So I was like, dude, like, what? Like, how did you even, how did that even happen? And then, you know, she started studying the Bible and, you know, just fell in love with God immediately. Um, and, and what it just took was honestly, like, me just stepping out of the way. Like, just letting God do what he does best, which is answer these prayers, which is come through for you when you need him to. Um, so I guess, like, long story short, um, just don't give up, you know, mm-hmm. kind of step back, let, let God, um, let God work. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we limit, you know, God's power, but yeah. if we just mm-hmm. let him do what he does best. And then now like her life has completely changed. And even just hearing her pray earlier at the beginning of the, of the lesson, I was just so encouraged and so inspired. Um, and just so thankful to God that he was able to even in like my stupidity and my hard headed is, um, really come through. Mm-hmm. So I asked kind of like, Yeah, that's like super encouraging. Like, guys, we got to be praying for our families. We got to be praying for our friends. You know, we got to be praying for our classmates, you know, daily and constantly. But not, again, just praying for them, but uh, praying through it, you know, all the way to to continuation. You know, and, um, you know, hopefully this encouraged you guys and inspired you a little bit to to not just pray, but to pray bold prayers. You know, like, what's your Jericho? What's that impossible thing and your life that there's no way, no how it will happen without God, you know? But not just praying bold prayers, praying specific prayers, you know? And like Jesus coming to you and asking you, what is it do you want me to do for you? Like, what is that thing in your life? And again, not just praying for something, but praying through it. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you, guys.